Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. It's Judy Stevens. Hey, guys. It's Sana Amanath. And I'm Angelique Rocher. So, you might notice that things sound a little bit different. We are all recording from our own homes, which we'll be doing for the upcoming future, per the world situation. Yeah, and uh, we're recording in our pajamas, which is the most important thing. Yes, we're very comfy. Hey, hey. Some of us are in athleisure wear. Some of I us mean, are, are in yoga pants. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Okay, right. Yoga That's, pants are just pajamas. They're basically right. pajamas. They're, right. they're fancy pajamas, but they're pajamas. So we want to make sure that we're continuing to make a space for our Women of Marvel community. I know it's not an ideal situation. I know there's a lot of things going on out there that are very confusing and a little scary, but we want to make sure that we're still connecting. Yeah, and we hope that you all and your loved ones are safe and in good health. Yeah, and if you guys ever need a cat photo or just a hello, we are always available on Twitter. You can tweet at us using hashtag Women of Marvel at the Marvel handle. Yeah, highly encourage it. Yes, please. I have lots of cat photos. So if you need a cat photo, I'm here. I'm here for you. Anyways, we actually have a great episode for you guys today. We are going behind the scenes of another Marvel podcast, a 10-episode fiction series called Marvels. And as of March 19th, it's available wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, so to get some more insight into how the show was made, because it was really, really cool, like just... Uh, the production on this. Uh, Judy and I had a great conversation with Lauren Shippen, who is the writer of Marvels. Yeah, Lauren has written and produced tons of incredible audio fiction series, including The Bright Sessions, The AM Archives, and Passenger List. And we're also joined by Jennifer Minnell, who works in development here at Marvel and was just really involved in shaping the podcast from how it was casted to doing edits on the scripts like it was such an amazing amazing convo to hear how it was pieced together okay so judy and angelique before we hear your interview can you guys tell all of us and for people who don't know about marvels and what we should really know about the show so marvels is actually inspired by a classic comic book series of the same name from 1994 by kurt busick and alex ross it takes us into a world where the Fantastic Four have just battled Galactus for the fate of New York City. Because, you know, that's like every other Tuesday, right? And we get to listen as an intrepid photographer, a college student, and a journalist, all human, no superpowers, tried to investigate one of the most superpowered conspiracy theories of all time. Dun, dun, dun. And have we talked about the cast? It's phenomenal, including Cliff Method Man Smith as Ben Urich, Anna Sophia Robb as Marsha Hardesty, Ethan Peck as Mr. Fantastic, and Seth Barish as Phil Sheldon. Yeah, when you combine that with the amazing work of director Paul Bay and recording engineer and sound designer Misha Stanton, added on top of the love that Lauren Shippen has for Marvel, it's like it it's just such a beautiful cornucopia of just amazingness i have no better word for it because when you have people who love what they do it it just comes out in the end so with that in mind here's our conversation with lauren shippen and jennifer minnell hello 
Hello, everyone. We are joined by Lauren Shippen, the writer of Marvels. Hi, guys. So happy to be here. And Jennifer Manel, producer of Marvels. Hey, thanks for having me. Somehow we've gotten them both in the studio, which seems like a miracle. Yeah, we've been trying this for a while because we've been very excited about the Marvels podcast. I remember, Lauren, when you came by... Oh my God, it's been over a year since you were on The Woman of Marvel last. Yeah, it was wow, it's been a long like time. Spring of 2018. But I also got to interview two of your colleagues, but yes. you were not there. I know, that was such a great interview. I loved hearing them talk about, about everything. I've known both Paul Bay and Misha Stanton for, I don't know, three or four years and worked with them in various things. And so it just was so exciting for all of us to get to work on this project together. Well, so before we dive into Marvels, just a quick sort of introduction to who the two of you guys are and like how you got here. Uh, Lauren, you obviously wrote the Marvels podcast, but talk a little about what you do. Yeah, so I started working in audio fiction in 2015 with my show, The Bright Sessions, which is about people with supernatural abilities who go to therapy. Um, So it definitely is not too far off from a lot of what the Marvel Universe contains. And since then, I've written several other fiction podcasts and now actually have my own fiction podcast company, Atypical Artists. And we produce and write and direct a great number of fiction podcasts. You also have a book. I God, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also an author. Um, my first YA book came out in September, and it's a deep dive into one of the characters from The Bright Sessions. And Jennifer, you and I work together. We do. We work quite to- often. Uh, it's kind of amazing to have you uh, on this side. Yeah, I was kind of one of the first people coming in from the development side for Marvel New Media. So, and we just kind of connected on projects. Um, and same with Angelique through the two years I've been here. So, it's been really fun to see everything kind of grow here, including our podcast business here as well. Um, there's just been a lot of cool stuff coming through the pipeline. So, yeah. So Marvels is inspired by the four-part comic book that ran in 1994 by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross. It was one of the first books that I actually read when I first started working at Marvel. And I remember looking at Alex Ross's art. And as I was listening to this, I remember being like, this reminds me so much of that memory of the first time I read it. And it, it's such a great new medium. It's mm-hmm. such a great new way to experience this. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, the story and the writing and sort of how did you bring it out? How did you put this in, in, your, in your brain and then out through your fingers, Lauren? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because it really comes from the whole story comes from essentially one panel in Marvels that is inspired by one panel in the original 1966 Fantastic Four comic, the Galactus Invasion Trilogy. It's just this headline in the newspaper that says Galactus a hoax, a J. Jonah Jameson editorial. And it was really just about zeroing in on that and staying grounded in the world of Marvels and in the world of Phil Sheldon, who's this photographer who who takes photos of all of these incredible superheroes and is so in awe of them and kind of playing out the tape of what would happen if people actually had really thought that it was a hoax, which isn't something that's explored in either of those comics, but that is still there. You know, Alex Ross made the choice to put it into a panel based off of the original Galactus trilogy. And so it was about building that mystery and then really keeping it all about being on the ground with the ordinary people because that was the spirit of the original Marvel's comic was the fact that you're not up with the Fantastic Four watching them battle Galactus, but you're down on the ground with Phil Sheldon who's looking through his camera lens at this event and trying to grapple with the fact that New York City's falling down around him and he's just a photographer and can't actually do anything to help. And I think that's so much the powerful part of the story that drew me to it because we don't always get this opportunity to talk about 
well, yeah, superheroes, great, love them. <laughs> but what happens with the people around them and how those people can be heroes? And I feel like this story is so amazing. And Judy, you kind of talked about this idea of this new medium. Jennifer, for you, like working on the development side, what was it for you that felt like this is it? This is the story. Like, we got to do this. So Harry Go, who's also producing with me on this from the Marvel side, we were kind of just talking to various people around Marvel and how Marvel's affected them. You know, given that 2019 was the 25th anniversary of it all, kind of what it meant to them. And a lot of it was, of course, you know, the art, but also the ordinary making sense of the extraordinary. And we're like, how do we kind of make that into a story with our characters, but also have them become superheroes themselves in a way. Like, yes, they're making sense of the extraordinary, but they themselves are that as well. And, and they can go up against the superheroes and, and kind of reason with them and talk with them just like the regular people and seeing the humanity in the superheroes themselves. Hmm. So Lauren and Jen, how did you work together to bring it to life? Yeah, well, it kind of all started here in development, um, you know, being in the 25th anniversary of Marvels and kind of honing in on what we thought the idea of the podcast would be. We just fielded some pitches and actually, you know, being able to listen to Lauren's work and read her pitch as well. Um, it all kind of just made sense because, you know, the Bright Sessions being this, uh, you know, she wrote about superheroes and and but also in this um, bringing life to them that was outside of the whole fantastic type vibe is what we were really looking for because at the end of the day, this is a story about the humanity in our characters and all of them. So, you know, she nailed that perfectly in her pitch and then from there, Paul and Misha, it was kind of like a three for one, like having them <laughs> all already have worked together in different ways in the past and then coming together was kind of like a no brainer for us. We were like, we're getting the best in the podcast field. <laughs> so and they're all going to come together for us. Of course, we're doing this. Yeah. And then it was just about taking that that initial pitch and actually shaping it into the story that we end up hearing in Marvels. And Jennifer and Terry um, and I spent three days together working out that story and really digging in on exactly that humanity that Jennifer talked about of making sure that we were grounded and focused on the heart of Marvels and Phil Sheldon and, and the way that he sees the world. And then just keeping that relationship alive throughout the script writing process. You know, I am based in L.A. and so we didn't get to sit down again and, and hash things out. But just anytime I had any questions about the world or the characters, um, Jennifer was just such a great resource to have that sort of encyclopedic Marvel knowledge. And then also anytime I had an idea or a story thought, just keeping those those communication lines open so that we were making the best story that we could. As you were writing this, Lauren, was there a character that you really loved to work with? I really loved getting to explore Marsha Hardesty, who is a Kurt Busiek creation and who isn't as widely established as, you know, Phil Sheldon and Ben Urich, who were a little bit more intimidating to tackle because they were established. And I mean, don't even get me started on like trying to write Ben Grimm. It was really fun, but it was scary because <laughs> he's such a specific voice. But getting to take Marsha and this, you know, thinking about a young woman who's in her position in the 60s and the things that she was up against and wanting to explore and having these these two male mentors guiding her through and really encouraging her was something that was really, really fun to write. And then, oh, actually, getting to write Peter Parker was just such a dream. Like, he is just one of my favorite characters in the entire Marvel Universe, and he's such a good heart. 
you know, so much of what you've done before is writing new characters, right? For the mm-hmm. Bright Sessions, it's it's you developing these new characters. But now, you know, one of the iconic things of working at Marvel is that all these characters have so much history. Obviously, Marvel's is a specific line. But, like, what was it like writing characters that have backstories? I mean, I think the biggest piece of that was understanding that the amount of time I was going to spend reading every comic I could was worthwhile. You know, obviously I knew I was not going to be able to read every single Fantastic Four comic because you know there's only so much time in the day, but just making sure to to read something from each era of the Fantastic Four was really important and I think time well spent because it gave me a great broad understanding of who those characters were throughout Marvel history and the different ways that they've been portrayed and then also the similarities from portrayal to portrayal because, you know, the characters really have evolved and especially characters like Reed Richards and Sue Storm who were very much, I think, products of their time in the 1960s but then really evolved into this beautiful couple and these really complicated people as, you know, in in the 80s and the 90s. Mark Wade's run of Fantastic Four is, is just so beautifully written. Getting to just pull on the wealth of content and character voice that has been established was was so much fun. And, you know, figuring out which versions of the characters I wanted to dive into. And, and, and it was really then interesting also to have an understanding of all that history and then meet the Fantastic Four pretty early on in their career. Because this is at a point where Reed and Sue have only been married for a couple of years and, you know, Ben and Alicia are still kind of working things out. Johnny's just like a freshman in college. And so getting to sort of meet them at that earlier time was kind of a nice mix of handling established character voice, but then also getting to start fresh with these characters because they hadn't been through everything that they then go through. And I think you hit on something that is really so cool about this project is that there's so much intentionality, right? Because it is a period piece. It's in the 60s. And unlike watching a TV show, like you don't have posters or isn't anything that says, you know, this is a war protest. This is a very particular period to bring to life in such a rich audio scenario, particularly in New York. So for both of you, like, Was there any other outside inspirations that you had on how you were trying to bring this together? Yeah, I mean, this was something we talked a lot about in development, about what the 60s in New York sounded like and the the mix of language and the mix of textures. And we talked about, you know, music and the way the cars sound and the telephones and everything. I think Misha even actually bought a Minolta so that they could actually record like the clicking of Phil's camera to really ensure that it was going to feel authentic. Yeah, it was actually um, Harry Goh's camera, our producer. So he is a vintage (laughs) camera collector. He is a photographer and artist of many things. And so when we were recording um, with the actors, he kind of brought it in. But just listening to old radio montages like the Beatles playing at Shea Stadium, you know, which is always kind of a little nugget we put in our comics all the time, some Mets mentions and things like that. But yeah, it was it was a lot of, you know, what were the 60s like specifically in New York? We did just like a deep dive into what that time period meant both in the comics and real life and trying to blend those two together to make the most sense for what we were going forward with. Something that was really helpful for me was last year I went to uh, the Tenement Museum, which I hadn't been to in about 20 years, and they have a new exhibit now that has audio as a really big piece of it where you walk through these different apartments in this old tenement, and it's the different immigrant populations from 1950 through 1980. And one of those immigrant populations was Puerto Ricans. And so when I was creating Charlie Martinez and kind of creating the sound of the Bronx in the 60s, I went onto the Tenement Museum website 
site and, you know, like pulled a bunch of stuff and researched that way. So there was some, you know, real genuine historical research as well, which was so much fun to do. Um, I just want to say that I love the Tenement Museum. It's one of the best clearly, museums. <laughs> and I, I can't wait to go back and listen to all the different episodes and listen to the, the, the Minolta clicking and be like, that's accurate. I will confirm. Well, well, for those who might be like new to scripted podcasts, because, I mean, scripted podcasts aren't new, but there are folks who are kind of getting introduced every day, and I'm sure there are folks now that are like, what does this process look like, right? Like, mm-hmm. How has this process looked from beginning to now end? Yeah, I mean, I was really on the, the sort of first half of things. Jennifer has been the one who's been guiding the, the whole thing through every stage. But as you mentioned, we sort of did a deep dive into um, the world of, of Marvel in the 60s and this story and sat in a room for three days and just kind of worked at every single story beat. And then writing the scripts was pretty standard for me in terms of like the, the process of that, because at that point, point I had already you know written over 100 audio fiction scripts and so I sort of knew how to format them no big deal um, <laughs> no big just might drop walk at the door um, but but it is a it is a thing that's that's hard to get acclimated to if yeah. you're you're new to it but thankfully you know getting to work with both Paul and Misha they also have an incredible experience in audio fiction and so knowing that I was writing the sound for Misha, a sound designer who I've been working with since 2016, was really, really helpful to be able to think about the way that I was imagining it sounding and then put that into the script and then have them, you know, have a dialogue with me of, okay, well, that's not going to work for that reason. And what about this? And which is really unique because I think a lot of people and and Misha and I had this conversation, but I've also dealt with other folks who have like given feedback on stuff that I've done before. There's only so much the human ear can take in. Yes. (laughs) Um, And human ears are like, you know, we've all had the hearing test where we hear the beep and like some of us can hear it and some of us can't. I don't think a lot of people really contemplate, oh man, that changes how this scene is written about how scientifically how the human ear can hear a certain aspect because that's, that is the sense you're using. Yeah. And you have to think about because you don't have the visual component to communicate information, you have to think about the most important thing that's being communicated. Because, I mean, this was definitely the most ambitious and largest scale set of scripts that I've ever written. And Misha was absolutely game to do these completely crazy things that I wrote of, yeah, Galactus landing on the roof and destroying Manhattan and, you know, stuff that sonically is there's so much going on. But I think that thing that always helped ground me in that was always making sure that I was from the perspective of one of our three main characters, of these journalists who were on the ground. And so if Galactus is on the roof breaking stuff and the Fantastic Four are fighting him and there's all these different sounds happening, the most important thing from our character's point of view is the fact that a sign has fallen on an old woman. And so we need to hear that sound, you know, and we need to hear them running over to her. And all of this other stuff is happening in the background. But you're right. The human ear can't process all of those things individually at once. So it's about what's serving the story and what's serving the characters and then just letting Misha work work their magic. <laughs> You don't think about what the sound of fire is, but then when you hear it, you know exactly, oh, okay. And then they say, oh, was that Johnny Storm? Like, those connecting pieces are just so interesting. And, like, what is it like for you to write down fire? Is it just like Johnny Storm goes by, or is it These like... These are rocks. <laughs> Throw in rocks. In the air. Ro- yeah, put rocks <laughs> in air. Like, that person far away. I mean, it, it really it really depends. I think that um, oftentimes if it's just Misha and I working on a project, just the two of us, I will just write... 
fire and they'll know what to do. <laughs> and, you know, um, but I think for something that has this many complicated sounds and that we wanted to make sure we were communicating to Paul and to, you know, all of the producers and to all of the actors who eventually would have the scripts who maybe didn't have experience in audio fiction, I definitely would get a little bit more specific just so that people could imagine what was happening um, because I think for actors too it helps to to imagine exactly what's going on and so instead of just putting fire it was you know a loud rushing boom as fire fills the air and then you know a separate line saying a whoosh as Johnny Storm flies by the window um, so kind of breaking all of those things down so that when you're in recording you can really imagine every aspect of the world by kind of breaking it down and then putting it all together. Misha also recorded everything on top of doing the sound design. So um, they were really there to tell us, okay, this is when this is going to happen here. This is what I'll put here during this time. So then the actors knew kind of what was going on, just not on the page, but what they could hear. This is a pretty cool cast. Yeah. Like of all ages. Yeah. Uh, So what was the process of like thinking through and being like, yo, we're going to get Method Man to be Ben Yurick. Like what? (laughs) We had too many people at first, just character-wise. Yeah. <laughs> that was the hardest for Lauren and I to like let people go. <laughs> We're like, no, we really would love to have this person's voice. Because there's just so many things you can do with people in Manhattan. I mean, especially in the 60s, every neighborhood was just a different culture and, a, and a, you know, in a different moment of time than you have right now and we really wanted to immerse people in the world but then also we're like okay now we're doing it too much like we need to come back a little and so Method Man has done so many things with us and has been such a great partner and lover of the Marvel Universe and just a crazy good comic book knowledge guy like he was informing all of our cast and crew just just all different Marvel storylines which was like really cool to hear Method Man narrate you know the Galactus invasion <laughs> he really got into the character and really studied um, and, and same with the rest of our cast of course our Fantastic Four um, yeah you know, <laughs> I think that was the most iconic day. I think you came into the studio. So Lauren yeah. came down to visit one of the days. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I And I got to, to meet Method Man, which was crazy. <laughs> and sadly, I wasn't there for any of the Fantastic Four recording. Mm-hmm. But I got to watch Teo do some um, some thwipping and woes, which was very, very fun <laughs> for Peter Parker. Um, so, yeah, it was just it was so wonderful. I think the thing that that I always think about as an audio fiction director, when I'm directing things, is just different vocal quality. And you know, the whole cast just has such different, rich, interesting voices on top of being really excellent actors. So it's just such a treat. What I think one of the great things about casting is when I first listened to it, I forgot it was Method Man. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then at the end, you're like, credits, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I went back and I re-listened to Ben's part. And I was like, oh, that's totally, oh, OK, OK. But like, it's so seamless that they are the characters that they're playing, um, which is obviously, you know, a a mix of great acting, but also great directing, too. Yeah, Paul is just, he's so good at at shaping a story and then working with people, and and the result is something really special. Y'all are a pretty amazing team. Like, even talking to Paul and Misha and them talking about their work with you, and, like, you kind of mentioned earlier that you're like, Misha just knows. (laughs) Like, I'll I'll say something and Misha just knows and it just happens. Yeah, I've been working with Misha. They've been sound designing the Bright Sessions since 2016. And I've acted in some of Paul's stuff and actually directed some of his stuff. And so there's just this really nice... I think shortcut, you know, like if I wasn't sure about putting something into a script before, you know, sending it to, to everybody and all the stakeholders, it was nice to be able to text Paul and Misha and, and say, hey, what, do you think this this thing would work or what do you think about doing this with this character and kind of have that sounding board with people that 
really understand my storytelling and, and who I understand what they would do with with that storytelling. So it was really just a collaborative and, and, and smooth process um, the whole time with them. And yeah, I, I think that the thing that, that unites all of us as storytellers and that I think Marvel does exceptionally well is the fact that we all love working in these larger than life or out of reality circumstances, whether it's, you know, you're in space or you're time traveling or you're dealing with some sort of monster. A lot of Paul's work has to do with, you know, these horrific monster situations and finding the the love and lightness in that. And so I think that we were all just really excited to talk about really grounded issues and have these character relationships through the lens of this extraordinary world, because that's kind of the play space that we love being in. What was it like when, you know, the world finally got to hear it? People were tweeting about it, talking about it on the internet. What was it like for you guys? It's super surreal. I mean, it's it's been so exciting to get to share this story with the world after so long of, of you know, yeah, keeping it secret and, and working on it. And also it's just been so rewarding to get to listen to it myself because, you know, this is my first time hearing all of it through because I wasn't I wasn't in, involved with the recording process other than the one day I got to drop by. And I'm just so excited to get to share it with everybody else as well. Yeah, and uh, Kurt Busiek, the writer of Marvels, uh, consulted on us in scripting. So just to know that he's listening to it and enjoying it and really being an advocate for it is good enough for me. But, you know, the whole point of Marvels was that you experience these superheroes as yourself. And so we're hoping to bring that to people as well, that they are listening to it and they are Marsha, Ben, Phil, whatever character that they want to identify with, but also themselves at the end of the day like this is such a phenomenal situation being able to take something that is so beloved and bring it to a new medium and bring it out to a new audience right because that's also what this is doing like a scripted podcast is very different audience sometimes than the comic book industry and just understanding how endearing and like enduring this the story is speaks volumes yeah lauren you are doing lots of things uh can we where can people find out about these lots of things (laughs) that you are doing people can follow me on twitter and instagram at lauren shippen and go to my website laurenshippen.com for links to all of my projects do it (laughs) and jennifer what else are you working on I can't tell you anything. (laughs) It is the Marvel way. I have very secret. Um, Yeah, no, it's just a lot of fun things coming up for for Marvel New Media in general. So, um, yeah, stay tuned, I guess. And you cannot reach me on any social media, by the way. I just wanted to say. Do it the right way. (laughs) Are you from the 1960s, Jennifer? I am. Surprise. Well, that's why it was done so well. I didn't really have to study, guys. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's been great. Thanks again to Lauren Shippen and Jennifer Minnell for a phenomenal conversation. You can listen to Marvels wherever you get your podcasts. And like Lauren mentioned, if you want to hear more of her work, be sure to head over to her website, laurenshippen.com. All right. So before we go, I really just, I want to know what's going on in your world. I need to reconnect. What are you reading, listening to? What's going on at home? Give me ideas. I am watching all of the classic Disney afternoon. I am currently making my way through what is a family classic and I think a very underrated cartoon, Tailspin. 
uh, because <laughs> Cloud Kicker is my dude. And I will then be moving on to Gummy Bears. Oh my God, Gummy Bears! <laughs> <laughs> So I've been sewing because that's sort of, I feel like if you follow any cosplayers or you're a cosplayer yourself at home, basically all of us have like put our heads down and started sewing. So I'm sewing while I listen to all of Reply All. So I, I listen to it with my headphones on and then I laugh out loud. Then I look around in my house and I'm like, is anyone, everyone just thinks I'm a weirdo, including my cat. I think it's yes. okay. You can be a weirdo. It's weird times. If anyone's working on cosplay stuff and they want to show me, send it to me. I'm going to be posting updates on my Insta story if you want to head over there and see stuff that I'm working on. Yeah, you know what? I'm also taking this as a great time for me to catch up on all of my comics that I'm severely behind on. Like I have a stack that is sitting right in front of me right now that I'm staring at and I'm like, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to get super caught up on everything. <laughs> uh, reasonable expectations though, Sana. You can't do everything all the time. You must rest at some point. Yeah, oh, fair. Good, good point. I mean, listen, I have no problem resting. Let me tell you. I, I, <laughs> I don't think I have worn jeans or like anything that's not sweats in the last five days. And I take lots of naps. I have a very comfortable couch, so. Wait, are you saying that you really are a cat, Sana? Is that why you and Judy get along so well? I'm definitely a cat. <laughs> I think that's why it works. And again, if you just need a, a hi or an emoji or a cat photo, please holler at us on the internet or at the Women of Marvel email, which is womenof at marvel.com. We're here. We're all working through this together. Yeah, and make sure to stay tuned. There will be more episodes of the Women of Marvel coming. But until next time, this is Marvel, your universe. Before we go, we want to share a special message about digital comics mega library, Marvel Unlimited. Marvel Unlimited is your all-access pass to over 27,000 Marvel comics, all available at your fingertips in the Marvel Unlimited app or desktop browser. Catch the latest issues from the Immortal Hulk and our Star Wars lineup, and get access to thousands of classic comics starring Spider-Man, Thor, the X-Men, Avengers, and more. As a Women of Marvel listener, you get 50% off of your first month of Marvel Unlimited. Sign up online at marvel.com slash listen, that's L-I-S-T-E-N, and enter promo code Women of Marvel, all one word, W-O-M-E-N-O-F-M-A-R-V-E-L. Women of Marvel is produced by Rebecca Seidel and Zachary Goldberg, along with me, Sana Amanath, Judy Stevens, and Angelique Rocher. Our audio development manager is Kieran Heffa, and Jill Duboff is our director of audio.